Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Because it's support group weekend, um, I want to show you in just a moment, I'm going to show you a picture of a person. And I'm going to ask uh, with a show of hands if you know who this person is. And I think when I tell you the story surrounding their life, you're going to know them. But I want to see if any of you know who it is before I give you all of the other prompts. So let me show you, first of all, picture of this man. Anybody know who this is? There are a couple of hands that are kind of going uh, up in the room. You know this story. Now, let me, if I were to add uh, his name and I were to tell you that this is Darren Harrison, anybody else know uh, who that is? All right, if I, if I show you this, do we know who it is? Uh, okay, so this is the guy that Uh, was fishing in the Bahamas uh, earlier in the year. Uh, He's flying uh, on a plane. He's, uh, uh, you know, a passenger on a plane flying in back into Florida. And all of a sudden, uh, Greg Allen, who's the pilot of the plane, sort of calls out to him and only one other uh, passenger on the plane and says, hey, I don't feel good. Now, let me just pause right there. And just ask you, is that your worst nightmare? (laughs) You know, you're kind of, you know, in a plane, the pilot opens the door and says, hey, I don't feel good, right? And uh, that's my wife's worst nightmare. That and an iguana getting into our house is, (laughs) that's like Beth's worst nightmare. But um, so this guy, uh, Darren Harrison, calls up to the pilot and he goes, hey, what should we do? And he slumps over, he's out. He's out. He'd actually had an aortic dissection, which is the inner and middle layers of his artery had burst open. And if the outer layer burst, it's usually fatal. So this guy is now unconscious. The plane is in a dive and um, he's got to figure out what to do. So let me tell you what this guy does. He um, goes to the front of the plane that's in a dive. He moves Gregory Allen out of the way. He picks up the intercom and he gets on the intercom. And this is what he said. It's kind of famous now. This is what he says. He goes, hey, I've got a serious situation here. (laughs) Duh. I've got a serious situation here. My pilot has gone incoherent and I have no idea how to fly a plane. Okay. Now, I want to say when I first read this, I thought that's probably not completely accurate. Because I think it would have said something like this. I've got a serious situation. The pilot has gone incoherent. I have no idea how to fly a plane and I need another pair of pants. (laughs) That's actually what I think would have happened. But anyhow, so uh, he takes over and he, through a certain set of means and a certain set of procedures, is able to land the plane everybody lives including, in fact, let me show you this other picture. Yeah, go ahead and applaud. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, This with some additional family members are all the people that were involved in helping him get down to a safe landing. And this story 
perfectly illustrates the truth I want to convey this morning. Now, you know, everybody's got your notes out, your Bible, your journal. We're in week three of a sermon series, uh, and we're in the sermon series, and here's what we're learning in the sermon series. We're talking about a relational world. We're talking about biblical community, and we're asking everybody like we do at every point uh, every year at Community of Hope. We ask you to take a little bit of an inventory, if you will, about your relational life, your relational world. And what we like to say in this space for everybody is we like to say things like this. It doesn't just happen on purpose. It's got to be structured. We've been building some truths around this. We do it every year. And over the last couple of weekends, we have really talked about an important truth. And this is really what we've said. We've said more than any other thing, it is your chosen, say that word with me, chosen community that forms you. The biggest influence on your life as to how the trajectory of your life will ultimately go really involves the people that you put around you. Now, we like to teach that concept every year because I, I know very well as a parent that a lot of us as parents have said that kind of thing to our kids, and that's an important thing. But I have learned uh, as a pastor that I need to say it over and over and over again, frankly, to you, to adults. The single greatest indicator, Julie, put it back up there, the single great greatest indicator about how your the trajectory of your life is going to go has to do with the people that you choose to be around you. I We, we talked about this last week. I had a, a man meet me uh, out in the lobby when I'm greeting out in the lobby after worship, which I one of the things I love to do. And he came up to me and he said, you know, I've thought of something in my own life somebody told me years ago. He said, I don't even know where they got it, but they told me. And I said, what was it? He said, he said I think of it this way. He goes, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. That's a good word. And so if you're with us last week because we were um, talking about biblical community, we took a moment and we looked at Jesus' first community. And we looked at the disciples and we noticed some interesting things about Jesus' first community. Here's the first thing we noticed. We noticed that Jesus' community was very different. At first blush, right? You look at the disciples and you think, well, they're just this ragtag group of people that Jesus pulled to be around him. And they're very similar in you know, education. They're similar in interests or similar in likes and all of this. And here's what we learned, actually. That's not true at all. In fact, they had way more un common than they did in common. So Jesus was doing something there. He chose people to be around him that were different. And so we just asked ourselves the question, is my community that I have around me, is it different enough? You know, we are living in a day, right, where we are becoming tribalized as a society. And those that are writing about this are saying this kind of thing, that we are getting to the place where there's so much tension, there's so much conflict uh, in, in, our in our relational world that many of us are choosing to just suspend everything else and we only get with people who think and act and believe exactly like we do. And so our world and our society is sort of just collapsing down to this thing. And here's what we learned. Jesus didn't do that. He had this way where he could be around people that were different. 
even with whom uh, he disagreed. And he loved them. And he cared for them. And he showed up for them. And then we learned, secondly, not only is my community different, but am I building a community that is about him? Now, this is one of the biggest things that I think happens often when people are really accelerating the growth in their faith. We start to identify with communities where the primary focus, the primary connective tissue is simply about Jesus. And if we're following Christ, if we're going to, you know, end our life well, if we're going to flourish this is going to have to be a part of our life. I was thinking about this recently. Um, I had a lunch with somebody that has been involved in my life in a, for a long time. We've known each other a long time. And whenever I'm around this person, this person just has this, I don't know even what to describe, how to describe it to you. They have this spirit, this way almost that they're living life that just here's what it feels like to me. Their life is flourishing. Now, here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't mean there's an absence of problems. I know them. I know they have problems. I, in fact, know some of the problems that they're going through. But there's just an intangible quality about their lives that, um, that represents flourishing. Here's how I think of it. They have, they have what I would call breadth and depth. It's not only wide, but it's deep. And when I look at some of the things that might identify uh, in, 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 for this person, this person has established communities where the primary focus of some of those communities is the presence of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, we looked at Jesus' first uh, community, and, and we asked ourselves this question, does my community set an example both for believers and unbelievers. Here's the interesting thing about Christianity when we think about it uh, from a historical perspective. By the third and fourth century, the Christian faith had become this force for good across the world. And it began to change, quite honestly, how society interacted with one another. And here's what I would tell you. Nations and governments and systems have been established down through history. And, and wherever they represent the better angels of our nature, nature, all of that is tethered back to the expanse of the Christian movement. This intangible quality that becomes a force for good in the world. Well, this morning, I want to I kind of move the needle a little bit further, and I want to have us think together this morning and this weekend, and we're doing this on all of our campuses, about what are some of those qualities that we could distill from those early churches and from those early uh, followers of Christ that would have a direct impact on our lives right now with respect to the conversation we're in. And we thought as a teaching team of a passage of scripture uh, that Paul writes in his second letter to the churches in Corinth in Rome. And I want you to notice the language that he uses. And in fact, I, what I want you to notice this morning is a word that just keeps coming up over and over and over again that I want to help us understand a little bit better. Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians, and here's what he says. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And if we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation We are, if we are comforted. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know, like we know, that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about you know these troubles you've heard about that we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, he writes, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue to to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. And then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in prayer to the prayers of many. You know, Lord, I pray this morning that all of us would... um, would be able to, in this space, have a capacity, uh, have a desire, uh, have a courage, have a a self-awareness that would um, manifest itself in a way that would allow us to look over the fabric of our lives, to ask ourselves the questions that Paul is pointing at in this letter. To the end, O God, that we might live a flourishing life and know what it means to experience the full run of our faith. This we pray, Jesus, in your mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Here's what I think is kind of the question in the room. How do you finish well? How do you finish well? If we're to understand Christianity, uh, I think in its purest form, Here's what we would say. It's not a sprint. Uh, All of us can be fired up for a moment. Uh, I love what Miranda was talking about camp. There's always this wonderful moment in camp, but all of us and many of us have been to camps and retreats. There's that moment when you have that pinnacle experience, but then you got to get on the bus and you got to come home. And, and, And the real journey, the real essence of what matters in all this is really, it's in the twists and turns and the uncertainties of life. It's when life doesn't go well that our faith or the absence of it shows up. And every now and again, here's what I think. I think there is a a need for some of us on occasion to build, uh, and for all of us at some point, to, to take a moment to build the kinds of systems in our lives that minimize the potential for disaster. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I was thinking about this uh, in light of that uh, illustration and that story I shared, and I thought of something that connected. I want to really connect some dots for you. Let me show you another picture. This is, um, this is Beth's brother, David. Everybody wave and say hello to David. I think he's listening to the service this morning. 
And uh, 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 when, when I married Beth, of course, when, you know, I didn't know her family until I flew out to Texas and I got to introduce him. I flew out on a weekend. This is what I did when I flew. I flew out on a weekend to, uh, in, to meet her parents. What she didn't know is I was actually going to ask her dad if I could marry her. I knew that was part of the responsibility, both my parents and I said I need to do that. I knew, I knew that I needed to do that. And so I'm flying out to meet them for the first time. I had also set up on that weekend to preach in their home church because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and so, you know, so I'm going out there. And so like the pressure is real to make this, you know, make this right kind of, you know, impression. And when I flew out there, um, and, and I flew out there, um, she lives off of five miles. The farm is off of five miles of dirt road. So when you go out there, um, you know, you just, you come to this fork in the road, you go straight and you just keep driving for five miles. The farm's way, way out there. And when I, when I got there, uh, some of you heard me share the story. When I, when I got out there and just as we got to the dirt road, it started raining. And my wife said, it's raining. Why don't you pull over and let me drive? <laughs> I kid you not. I was so offended that she said that to me. And so I, I said, well, like it rains in Florida. We have dirt roads in Florida. And so I drive, uh, we get to the house, and, and I just sort of make fun of that all weekend. I ask her dad if I can marry her. All that goes super well. I get up on Sunday morning. I put on a new suit. I'm going to go preach at her church. We get in the car. It had been raining overnight. And, and I take the first turn, a left turn off the farm, and the car literally goes whoosh, whoosh, and goes right down into a ditch. We are stuck in a ditch on the way to church. Her dad eventually finds us. He backs down the road. He comes over and knocks on the door, and I roll the window down, and he goes, what are you doing in there, city boy? <laughs> and the rest is a love story. It's just, it was super great after that. But um, let me tell you about David. Um, David is a pilot. And uh, he's a personal pilot. He's got a little plane, and he'd always flown with uh, visual flight rules. And he just tested and passed his instrument rating as a pilot. It's a big deal. And so when I was talking to David about this, um, uh, about his certification as, uh, to fly with instruments, he, I told him the story that happened in our area. I said, we just had this guy that, you know, like this, the, the pilot was heard and the, he grabbed the controls and, you know, landed the plane. It made, you know, international news and this sort of thing. And here's what David said. David said, he goes, here's what's interesting. He said, in aviation, when you declare an emergency, all these systems kick into gear to listen to me, to decrease the percentage of, of a disaster. Now, here's what we know. It can't, it can't eliminate it totally but it can shrink the percentage. Well, David's telling me all this stuff, like, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's two radio systems, normally a plane, you're monitoring the frequency you're on, you're also monitoring the emergency frequency. When you declare an emergency, all this stuff kicks in gear, the flight controller will be assigned to you. There's all this stuff that kind of just puts, you know, jumps into place. To make sure that David was uh, telling me this right, I called a guy in our church, a friend of mine by the name of Dan Wilborn, who is not only a, a pilot, a commercial pilot, but he trains commercial pilots. 
and I wanted to find out if everything is true. And, uh, and, and it turns out that's not only true in aviation, it's true in the maritime industry. And I want to show you, many of y'all know, uh, I took Beth on a cruise. Here's, here's our little boat that we were on. And uh, we're on this cruise, and, and uh, my wife uh, is, uh, you know, she grew up on land, right, uh, like on, on a farm. So, so water is a little unique for her. And the last day we got up, um, there, w- there was all this cloud cover and fog that had, that had just overtaken the ship. You couldn't, even see, you couldn't even see the water below you where we were. And uh, after a while, we're watching this. I'm eating it up. I think it's awesome. And Beth's a little nervous about it. And then all of a sudden, we hear our ship go. And the first time that happened, she looked at me. I said, that was not me. I just want everybody, that was not me. And then, and then so it, it did it again. And then off in the distance, you hear this other ship. And they're locating each other through these different sounds. And when I, what I learned about, here's the thing I want to tell you about. This is what I learned. It's called safety redundancy. It's, it's an actual thing in the maritime industry, and it's an actual thing in the aviation industry, and here's what it is. It's protocols that are pre-established, listen to this, protocols pre-established and put into place that minimize the chance for disaster to happen. Now, they can't 100% rule out disaster, but here's what they can do. They can minimize the percentage point of it. Well, when I heard that, I thought about our lives as followers of Jesus and the very kinds of truths that Paul is telling the early church about how to distill their faith in a weird time. And, and it's not, in a way, so dissimilar from the times we're in right now. Here's what was going on in Paul's day. People were scared to live their faith. They were being persecuted. Their lives were in peril. And there was so much tension going on, Paul began to learn that these early churches, that people, these churches were shrinking and people were stepping back from their faith. And so Paul is coming as a reminder to them in all this. Like into that environment, he's saying, here are the things that we must remember as Christ followers. These are the protocols we have to put in place that minimize the chance of disaster for us with respect to our faith. And he gives us three. I want to give them to you. The first one is this. If you're taking notes or you're on the app, it's just, it's simply this. Number one, that we need to be reminded that God is present in our trouble. Now, here's the thing I just want to remind you. Every one of us right now are, you know, this is what I think. I have a friend who says it like this. We're either in a, a, a circumstance, we're coming out of a circumstance, or we're going in to a circumstance. Yay us, isn't that encouraging? Okay? You're either, you're either about to go into one, in one, 
or coming out of another one, getting ready to go into another one. And, and Paul, look at how he says this. I want to draw everybody's attention to this. In this verse we're looking at, he says this. He says, God is present in our trouble. Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of compassion. I just almost want to just pray that over everybody in the room and everybody on the line. Do you know that your heavenly Father is the Father of compassion? So wherever compassion is manifesting itself in your life, it's coming from the Father of compassion. And he's the God of all comfort. We need to be reminded of that because we tend to forget. I have a friend of mine who um, asked me recently, texted me, and he said, you know, I'm reading through the New Testament. And he said, I, I see that Jesus is always telling parables. And he said, Pastor Dale, he goes, why is Jesus always telling parables where sometimes you can misunderstand or not get it? Like he tells them, and then after, after a little bit of time, he, he explains it to him. Why can't he just tell us direct? And I thought, that's a good question. But here's, here's the interesting thing. Most believe that Jesus often taught in parables. Why? Because he was teaching you how to listen with your heart, not just with your head. I was sharing at 9 o'clock, when I first got married, I thought I knew everything. Until I about train wrecked our marriage after year one, and I learned actually how much I did not know. And so I've been learning, right? I've been married long enough now. I mean, guys, how many of you in the room, when your wife comes out and she goes, this dress or this dress, you break out in a sweat. (laughs) When she goes like, these shoes or these, I always feel like, I know this is a trick question. I know I got to answer this correctly. How am I going to do this? You know, kind of a thing. And this is the kind of idea behind this truth. We tend to forget. Yaroslav Pelikan, who is a Christian historian at Yale University, writes this. He said, the presence of God and his imprint on our lives is literally everywhere. And he said, if we were to take a, if we could take a super magnet and somehow pull up out of our own lives and our own circumstance and the lives and the circumstances of our world and pull out of it every presence of the risen Christ, not much would be left to talk about. But here's the thing. You and I have to develop a kind of framework if you will, to know that he's there. I think too often in this day, what we do is we just presume. We think we know. But I want to tell you, I think we're living in days right now where that, that's not working really well. And I think the Spirit of God is inviting many of his people to push for deeper and to push not only for breadth, but depth. Paul says another thing. He says, um, I think that we need to remember that God shares in and restores us in our troubles. Um, One of the things that I notice about um, this point is that if you read that passage of Scripture, and we read just a moment together, nine different times he uses the word comfort. Nine different times. 
And um, the word comfort is an interesting word. And um, it's, it's a hard word to define what Paul is actually meaning because for us, it, it, you know, when we talk about comfort, it feels like we're, you know, sitting on the couch, you know, and we're just kind of drinking a latte and we're hanging out. But there's actually more than that. Comfort actually in the Greek is this word. It's periklesis. And the word uh, in Greek actually means this. Julie, help me out. It actually means to come alongside, render aid, and cheer us on. To come alongside, to render aid, and to cheer us on. And this is what so many of us need in our lives. And when Paul is writing about this, he said, this is the kind of comfort that God provides. But again, you can't take that for granted. And then Paul shares one other thing, and I want to leave you with this. He invites us to share in the comfort and the troubles of others. Um, Billy Graham, about this idea, says it this way. He says, um, God doesn't bring his comfort to you so that you're comfortable. He brings his comfort to you so that you can become a comforter. That's a good word. One of the powerful ministries we have in our church is a ministry uh, called Celebrate Recovery. And it's a ministry that meets on Monday night right in here. And we are helping people build systems in their lives where they can receive the kind of help for a hurt, for a habit, or for a hang-up. And it's really one of the powerful ministries we have going on in our church. Now, here's the interesting thing of a friend of mine who has spent many years in recovery, and this is what he said. He said, when I aim my life to help other people, he said, God has an amazing way to rub out the scar. Isn't that powerful? This is what happens when we turn our lives to help other people. And so at Community of Hope, what we do is we take time every single year to lift up different groups, to point people toward getting out of a circle, getting into a row, finding some of these different groups so that you can find the ministry and the comfort that Jesus offers to you. But here's the thing that's been so beautiful over the years at Community of Hope. It's not only that so many of us have received care, it's that we're now learning to help other people find it also. And so this morning, maybe you're sitting there and you're going, you know what, I don't know specifically this is a message for me, but I know this person and it is a message for this person. And here's the question. Will you invite them? Will you be the one that bridges the gap so that they can find the help they need in Christ? I want to pray for us in this space. Lord, um, I thank you this morning that um, you have actually created ways for us to find the kinds of systems that we need to find help. Lord Paul, when he was speaking one time, said it this way. He said that you're not far from any one of us. And so this morning, Lord, I want to pray for anyone online or anyone in this room right now that, you know, feels like, God, there's a circumstance, there's a scenario, there's a situation in their lives that might they understand, oh God, that you've not abandoned them, that you've not gone away. 
and that, God, you have created inside of the body of Christ opportunities for us to be able to find the hope and find the healing that we need. And for some of us this morning, Lord, um, we're sitting here as sort of testimonies to that grace, but, but there are other people who need that kind of grace. There are other people who need the systems that you have provided for us so that what is true of us may be true of them. And would you give us the courage today, Lord, to identify who that person is and to invite them out of a row or out of isolation and into a circle. This is what we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, Lord, we're learning in this space right now that you are completely and 100% available to us. It is the desire of your heart as the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort to minister to us at our point of need. So Lord, wherever it is this morning that we need to receive that in our relational world, in the anxiety of our surroundings, uh, in a grief, in a loss, in a hurt, in a habit, in a hang-up, in our isolation or a loneliness, in our sin. God, we just receive your presence that you might come and render your aid and cheer us on as we get better. And God, would you help us in this space to remember our responsibility as fellow followers of Christ to extend that same courtesy to others who are right now in this space in our world trying to find their way because you're not far from any one of us would you use us to help them find you this we pray in Jesus precious name and everyone said amen so here's the thing if you're here this morning you need prayer we have folks that would love to pray with you up front if there's a specific need when you leave this morning after you grab that cup of coffee go to the porch and learn some more about our groups. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.